What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to Not Another Football Podcast. Greg and JP here with you today. JP, how you doing, my dude? Man, it's it's been a couple of weeks. It's been a little rough, but you know, football has got us through. We're here. The divisional round is over. We're on to the games that actually matter and the people actually care about. And I'm excited. We've got some great matchups. It was a good weekend for football, all in all. That it was. But more importantly, how are you, Greg? You know, I, I'm doing really well. Um, you know, I, I'm, I keep meaning to say this in, in the group chat that we have. So let, let me just go ahead and say it now. I think uh, in the and now in the conference championship, I think we have probably the best four teams left, which I feel like you don't always get to say, in my opinion, because uh, there could there's always a possibility for one upset. And I know you and Cam this year, I think the last two months has just been chaos. And while I'm with you in that, I want chaos during the regular season. During the postseason, I guess if it's the first round, I'm okay with chaos. But I don't want chaos in my championships or in the Super Bowl. You know, like I want the best product available for me. You know what I mean? I mean, I can I can understand where you're coming from that 100%. I think more of the beauty of the chaos is the true champions shine through, right? With as chaotic as this as the last two months have actually been, it's been it's been pretty wild in the football realms for the last two months. But it separates the pretenders from the contenders, right? The 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 insanity of it all, the 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 complexity of it all, all shakes out, and when you when you sift that. That pan in the river looking for gold, what's left is your is is the actual gold. And that's what we have here. Chaos, while it can be fun, also helps you understand the value of what you have as a team and lets the the end product that's supposed to be there actually be there. Right? Because most people yeah. are like, oh, I want I want my 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 tried and true. I want Rogers and, and Brady in the NFC and I want Mahomes and 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 Allen in the AFC, and I want to, the duking it out of names, right? But we also see we have a we have a third string quarterback playing in the NFC Championship game. Yeah, and they're legitimate contenders. Yeah, right. We have a team that has lost three starting offensive linemen and went on the road and beat the brakes out of Buffalo. So yeah, you still have elements of chaos. It's just. It just goes to show that the that the truly great ones can persevere through chaos. Yeah. And, you know, I totally get what you're saying. But at the end of the day, you know, for me, it's it's not necessarily the household names that I want. Like the Mahomes, the Brady, the Rodgers type thing. I just don't want... Um, and I, I know we rarely see it in the NFL. We rarely see it. But that beatdown that Philly gave the Giants was was something. But college, you know, I, I talked about it briefly last week. College football playoffs. You know, something like that. Where it's like, yeah, it's a good story, but you got to the championship game and it just it just really fell flat. So those are the type of things where I'm like, if it's the first round, cool. Give me those. You you upset them. Kind of like March Madness. You know, kind of get them out up until maybe the Sweet 16. You make it to the Elite Eight. Okay, cool story. But, man, once you get to that championship game, I just want a good quality product. And if the game happens to be good and the underdog wins, I mean, the more the merrier. But more often than not, I think the product just isn't that great when you have those type of upsets. But, you know, that's me. Maybe it's just the the – you know, get off my lawn type of attitude that I have. Um, Cause I don't know. I think about it. If the Jags would have beat the chiefs and then they went on to play the Bengals or the bills, I would have felt a little like less happy with the, with the conference championship. You know what I mean? But that's not to say that the Jags didn't earn it. Um, I just would have preferred to see the teams that are actually in there. Does that, does that all make sense? Yeah, no, it makes sense. I understand, and and I feel like you're you're a lot of NFL fans, and I feel like your 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 statements and and your desires are very commonplace. And and you know, not everyone is 
Cam and I and wanting absolute insanity wherever it walks. But I think at the end, it's kind of both of our statements are ringing true at the same time, right? Like we want, you want good close games at the end because you don't want your season to end up like, for example, looking back to the Seahawks and the Broncos Super Bowl, right? Everyone yeah. stopped watching at halftime. <laughs> And that was a team that was supposed to be a team of destiny for the Broncos, right? Amazing regular season, beating the brakes off of everyone, and then they, you know, Im- unstoppable force meets an immovable object. And the immovable object won. Yeah. Hate to bring this up, but I mean also kind of like the Broncos Panther Super Bowl, where both teams were worthy of being there, but the the game itself in the Super Bowl was kind of eh, well, kind hold of on. flat. Hold on. The final score was 24 to 16. It's a close game. Yeah, but it just kind of it's, fell flat to me. No, you're you're conflating this cuz you're trying to you're trying to make it like the Rams and Patriots Super Bowl. I see what you're doing. I don't, don't know what you're talking about. Don't come in here and act try act brand new, all right? I'm not here for it. I don't know I'm what you're talking about, it. JP. Absolutely I don't not. Don't know what you're talking about. Cuz we want to talk about bad Super Bowls. That Rams Patriots 10 to 3, the final score. No, no, thank you. I don't want that in my Super Bowl. Yeah, that one was really ugly. Listen, I know you. That was a bad one. AFC football. We want games to end nine to six. Bro, bro, bro. Don't confuse me with Mike on that one. Mm. Birds of a feather. Birds of a feather, my friend. No, birds don't of a con- feather. Don't confuse me with that one. I, I am, I am not on the the AFC North type. Give me a nine to six type football game. Those are those are boring. Those are boring. I don't care who it is. Like, I'm sorry, the, the way the football is meant to be played today is give me a score in the 20s or or in the in the 30s. I'll, I'll take the back and forth and with the with the one good stop. You know what I mean? I'll, I'll take that one. But okay, yeah, okay, I'll I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Um, so I have a question of the day here, and uh, a lot of it comes from a little bit of bias, but you know, watching and listening to the games of the weekend, I'm a sucker for good broadcasting. I like, I like a good broadcast team, and a lot of conversation on Twitter during last night's game is people realizing how knowledgeable and how great it was to have Greg Olson on the call for that game. So I guess my question to you is, if you could pair up with a one current person and one person from the past, or you know whatever your ideal pairing is, who would you want in the broadcast booth calling the game? You know, Ravens Super Bowl. You're super pumped. You're tuned in. Who do you want on that call? Um, you know this. God, you're gonna hate me. You're gonna feel like I'm just doing this just because you're asking a question. But truly, I don't care who's on the call when I'm watching games. A lot of times, I watch them without sound. Like I'm do, doing something, or or I just don't care. Or even on red zone, they, you just jump around so much that I, you know, I just to me the the announcers just kind of get tuned out, but for NFL, um, I think Romo, this isn't like someone I'd love, like absolutely love dream, dream thing, but I think Romo has really stepped up and has just turned into something really good. Um, I really like hearing his insights on, on plays. And um, I think he kind of gets underrepresented as a quarterback, but I think as an analyst, he is like really showing people like, no, he's he's legit, and he was actually a really good quarterback. I think people would have liked him more if he wasn't on the Cowboys. Um, so I'll say that, and then, um, you know, the other one, I don't know. I think Sunday Night Broadcast has has a good one, you know, the, the two on there. As much as uh, Collinsworth bugs me sometimes, like he does bring, like, a good element to the game. You know what I mean? Like, I – my biggest thing against him is he just fawns over too many players and he'll just like talk about them too much. So um, I don't know a second one that I would absolutely love, but I would say, I would say Romo on there for sure. And, and maybe Mike Tirico just cause he's been around for a while and, and I like him and I think he's knowledgeable. Uh, but if, if I'm going college too, uh, maybe uh, God, what is it? Kenny Johnson um, or no, who's the guy that does all the Fox ones? Um, Gus Johnson. Gus Johnson. Kenny Johnson, I think, does uh, NBA. But Gus Johnson is one that I think is just fun. I mean, that dude is just goofy. Well, Gus Johnson actually does NFL games sometimes. 
I guess on Fox he would. That would make yeah. sense. Yeah, and ironically enough that you bring up Gus Johnson, he is in my ideal pairing. It's a three. It's a three man booth. Gus Johnson, Greg Olson, Pat McAfee. That's my three man booth. Okay, Pat McAfee is a fun one. I still remember when he. It was a Packers Lions game, and he called it, and there was a fake punt for a touchdown, and he lost his mind. And I think that's just kind of the fun, the energy that you kind of want to bring. It's all guys who can talk about the fo- who can talk about football in depth, give you the X's and O's, but still at the same time. They bring that energy. They bring that kind of that passion and excitement. That's that's what I want when I'm watching. If I'm if I'm in a situation where it's the Super Bowl, only game going on, and I'm going to have to sit here and listen, and you know, be tuned into the broadcast. I want people that are going to bring that energy, that excitement, that fun, make it a lot better. Yeah. What? Where do you stand on Joe Buck and Troy Aikman? I know a lot of people have strong feelings on them on both sides. It's weird, like being in St. Louis, the Buck family is like it's got a weird reputation. Like people loved his dad, people don't like him. It's like it's a weird thing. I personally, I actually enjoy Buck and Aikman as a broadcast group. I think that they're really good. I really did enjoy them, um, both before they started ESPN and while now this this past year at ESPN. I think they have great chemistry. The broadcasts never seem like they're in a situation where you're not getting knowledge or it's kind of you find yourself like, for instance, the playoff game in the wild card round where you had Tony Jun- Tony Dungy and Al Michaels, and it was like the lowest energy game that anyone had ever heard. It was honestly like everything was just monotone. There was no spirit. Yeah, you don't get that with Buck and Aikman. Like Buck will bring the excitement, having the experience of calling a sport when he does his baseball calls. That the the role of the announcer is much more prevalent in a baseball game than it is a football game. Right, because the action is a lot slower paced, and you're you know you have the time in between pitches, and you have to be able to make the game entertaining and exciting for people watching on TV. Yeah. So he has that experience of I'm never gonna let it hit a spot where it feels like there's a lull in the action, even if the game is boring. Yeah, um, I, I'm kind of right there with you. I don't. I really don't have a problem with uh, Buck and Troy. Um, I overall, I think they do a good job and. Uh, yeah, I the other person the other person I will say because they have their own TV show on uh, Monday Night Football would be the Manning brothers. Uh, they bring a different element to it with the Omaha Productions, and they're just they're goofy as hell. I can I can appreciate it. They're both super smart. The guests that they bring on uh, for their shows, so like I don't know if they incorporated something like that uh, during a live game. I think that would be a, a pretty cool and fun element. So we're gonna kind of loop in league news here with our with our divisional round breakdown so let's start with the first matchup of the divisional round we have the chiefs playing the jags what turned out to be a closer game than what some people expected you know the the jags have really turned around that franchise in a matter of a year from number one pick in last year's draft to now you know making a a decent playoff run it's it's was really, really nice to see that team really kind of take the next step under Doug Peterson. It really was. And some would even say that, I mean, they accelerate. Like, they, they were above schedule. They shouldn't have been where they were this year. And to think where they were the first time, I, I talked about it briefly uh, last week, to think about where it was uh, the Jags were when the Chiefs and Jags met earlier in the year, I think it was like week, 12 or week 10 and the Jags were like four games under 500 like it you know and the fact that they ended the year I think at nine and eight they won their division huge turnaround for them uh Peterson is only gonna is only gonna help them I talked about last week how much I appreciated him and how just feels like he's never fully out of any any game with uh, how he approaches and how he coaches and you saw that again this weekend um, you have another off season to build. They're going to be drafting a little bit lower only because they've produced so well on the field with the wins and they're not, you know, typically used to that, but you look at their team, they don't have a ton, uh, a ton of glaring needs around them. So, uh, I, they, they are really going to be contenders moving forward. And that AFC South seems like it's going to start running through them and, uh, they'll definitely be there in, in the, in the AFC overall. So, um, it was a good game, and I know we're going to talk about Mahomes here in a sec because um, I think that, to me, is just like 
really – I'm not going to call it devastating because he can still play, um, but it does take away a little bit of his element. So if you want to go ahead and talk about uh, his, his high ankle sprain a little bit. Yeah, so the MRIs came back, revealed a high ankle sprain. Um, he was able to continue on in the game. It'll be a lot of rehab. It'll be a lot of treatment this week going into Championship Sunday. But as much as people get on Collinsworth for the, his treatment of Mahomes and his um, like almost stalker-like obsession with the man, yep. like the proof is in the pudding with this dude. Like he, I was having this conversation with one of my with one of my good friends, and I asked him, and he he hates the Chiefs, absolutely hates the Chiefs, hates Mahomes, has absolute disdain for everything that happens. A former Rams fan, then converted into a. Uh, uh, into a Raiders fan when they left St. Louis. And the question was, like, if if his career ends today, do you put him in the Hall of Fame? And for me, the, the answer is without a doubt, he's a Hall of Famer already. Absolutely. And the, the, the beauty of it is, like, the way he processes the game is just different. It doesn't seem like there's a way you can put him in a situation where now – I don't know what to do. I don't know how to handle it. And he utilized Kelsey in a, in such a unique and different way in that the way to that the way that you always used to shut down Mahomes be, like 2 years ago was you run a cover 2, you you uh, not run a cover 2, you run two high safeties and you make him take the easy checkdown. What's brilliant about him is he's realized, okay, my athletes are still going to out-athlete your your defense. So let me make this quick seven-yard strike. Let me forego, you know, sending it into double covers 35 yards downfield with a flick of a wrist. And now I know I can hit Travis Kelsey for 14 receptions and still being under 100 yards. I'm going to pick apart your defense. There's nothing you can now do to stop me. Yeah, it's it's the old expression, and I think that the Patriots used to do this to teams all the time, is death by a thousand cuts. And Yes, that, that is how the Patriots got by in those championship games against the Chiefs was, hey, make make him drive down the field. Like We are going to take away the big plays. And when teams, teams figure that out and they're like, okay, we can do this, he would kind of force things. Not to say he's bad, but he would, he would get a little impatient. But now this, this year, I think, I think one of the biggest blessings going forward, and I, this is going to sound so weird, is people are going to look back on this year and they're going to say the Chiefs letting Tyreek Hill go was probably one of the best things for Mahomes because he can't rely on just that take off the top coverage speed. I can just outrun you. And like, don't get me wrong, they still have a you know a couple of players who can who can miss make you miss in the open field, like you were saying. But it makes Mahomes that much more dangerous because now you actually have to play him honest, like like you would any other quarterback like yeah you can't just okay I'm gonna we're gonna try and take Kelsey out good luck how are you gonna do that you know the way Mahomes can extend a play no one is ever really taken out of the play with him and you've seen it time and time again where he will take it all the way up until like the half inch line of the line of scrimmage and dump it to someone or flip or behind the back pass or literally just something small and you're just like what the hell are we supposed to do with that so Maybe some of that gets taken away from him this week with this high ankle sprain because you hear all these people talk about like just how difficult it is to process and play through because it's such like excruciating pain. And I've never dealt – I mean, I've dealt with like rolling my ankle and stuff like that, but like nothing to this degree. So now on top of it, you have you have the weather, you have players coming at you. The Bengals are just are, – are better. It's the game away from the Super Bowl. Like there's so much more on the line. So – um, it's unfortunate that he got hurt and like, this could be, I mean, it's going to be a storyline all week and into the game. Cause obviously you want everyone healthy, especially at the quarterback position. But I mean, I, I I'm not counting out Mahomes and what he can and can't do with a bum ankle. I, I think the, the man will still, will still try and get it done. As important as Mahomes is to the success of this team. I think what we saw in this game was something that takes that this team hasn't had in quite some time. It's a reliable running game. Isaiah Pacheco, that rookie, that kid is insane to watch run the football. He is so energetic. He's so powerful. 
and he still has powerful he's like it's the combination that you want every back to have it's like oh this is why we got clyde edwards elair and then clyde edwards elair is like kind of like you're always going to be hurt. What's going to be? What's going to happen with you? We don't know what's go, what, whether or not you're going to be available on the field for us. So what I think is just so great, it would have to see for this team is that hey, Mahomes went down. Guess what we're going to do? We're going to pound the rock down your throat because we have this special running back who, no matter what happens, he's going to get two to three yards. He's not taking very many, you know, tackles for losses because he has that speed to beat you to the outside. And then if, you, if you're taking away the outside, he's going to lower his shoulder and run through you. And that's the thing that this Chiefs offense has never really had. It's one of the reasons why they got Edwards Elaire. That's one of the reasons why they went out in the later rounds and got Pacheco because they want they need something to complement that team. And you even saw, like, against, you know, the Jacksonville Jaguars, they are, they are a young defense, but that does not mean they are a bad defense. Right. Mahomes goes With out. With a lot of speed. Mahomes goes out. What happens? Great play calling from Andy Reid and Bienemy. They take a 98-yard, they they orchestrate a 98-yard drive for a touchdown with their backup quarterback. It just goes to show like the team has been not as reliant on we need Mahomes to have this Mahomes magic, but now they are a more well well-rounded and well-developed team from the offensive line, the you know down to the second and third string running back. Like how good has Jarek McKinnon been? For this team, like it's insane. I want to, I'm gonna, I'm gonna segue into the next topic, keeping it AFC, and because it, to me, these teams uh, and the quarterbacks get so much hype and so much publicity because of the their matches through the playoffs and the regular season over the last couple of years. But something you touched on is what I think, but besides the coaches. Because I think Andy Reid is, uh, I'll say he's probably the best coach available still in the playoffs right now. Um, what he was able to do, change things up, Hill's gone, went to a run game in this past week. And that is what, you know, separated them a little bit to, you know, chew some of the clock a little bit and get that win. Buffalo can't do that relies way too much on Josh Allen can't develop the run game don't they don't have that that gear other than Josh Allen we're gonna put this on your back and you have to do it so he's sailing balls 30 40 yards down the field like yeah he doesn't have that patience I think I don't know if he ever will that he's developed and that he's wanted to earn or get that Mahomes was like that, I'm sorry, Josh Allen and Mahomes, I think, probably have the biggest arms in the league. They can make any throw on the field that they possibly could. But how many times do you watch in a game that, like, Mahomes is either asked to make that throw or that he's just like, oh, whatever, full send, and just rips it? You know what I mean? Because he knows he, he doesn't have to. Um, so, but, but even then, like, that was part of the developmental issues with Mahomes, right? That's when everyone started playing a, a – uh, too high shell, and they realize, all right, you if this is how you're going to play, we're gonna play, we're gonna set in this this very rudimentary defense and say, guess what? You have to take that ball underneath. Yeah, and we to his credit, we won't let yeah. you win by this. But and to problem, his credit, he stopped. Mm-hmm. And, and like think, that to me is so much more mature than any other thing you can do as a quarterback to be like, you know what? They're not letting me do that anymore. I need to get out of my own ego or like do what's best for the team. And just take what's given to me because that that is how you're going to win. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think that one of the biggest cruxes to this all is that one of Josh Allen's setbacks when he came into the league was his accuracy, right? Even in even in college, he never hit sixty percent accuracy. And we saw when he got Stephon Diggs, it took it took it took it to the next step, right? He was able to elevate his game and become this MVP caliber candidate but what we're seeing is all right you had your year with you had your one year with Stefan okay everyone in the league is starting to take notes what kind of routes does you like do you like to run with him what's the adjustments what's how is this going to work and now we're going to make you be accurate everywhere else we're going to force you back into how do you begin to elevate and you can see like his arm talent is sometimes so great that it puts him in the 
precarious situations because yep. he's overconfident in it. And that's what hurts the decision making. Same thing with Mahomes, right? Like you you have that cannon. How much faith do you have to make the decision to take the check down over the cannon? Yeah. And it's that old expression that everyone used to say with the quarterbacks. And I think the number one that comes to your mind when people use this term, gunslinger, is Brett Favre. You know what I mean? It's like risk reward. It's, yeah, they can make those throws. They can fit it into tight windows, but sometimes it's not necessary. It More often than not, it's not necessary for you to have to make those throws, but you do it because you know you have the arm to do it. And I think that is where – I truly think that that is what is holding him. I don't think it's the run, the lack of run game. I think it's the decision-making for Allen that is what con, is going to continue to hold him back because – yeah, he's got Diggs, Diggs is a great receiver, top ten receiver. He he will he will separate. He will make the plays. You you give him the ball, he'll he'll make special things happen. But when you have teams that can take him out, like sort of like they did this last weekend, like the Bengals did. I don't want to say take him out, but I mean they did a good enough job that he really wasn't a factor in that game. Now what else do you have? You know what I mean? It's like don't tell me all year that you know you have really good other receivers, you know, with McKenzie and Gabe Davis and uh, Doxon Knox as your tight end. And then when Diggs gets taken out, you're just like, well, we don't have anyone else. Well, I've heard all year about how good your receivers are and how, how good your other playmakers are. You know, I don't know. I'm not trying to sit here and say I don't like Allen. I just – his development really kind of halted this year, and I think this is the year where everyone really thought that the Buffalo was – going Super Bowl bound. Um, I don't know, man. I don't I don't know where they go with this. I, I don't know if they change offensive coordinators, if it's head coach, if they just really just try and find an older running back they could put on their I, So They have some glaring needs. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, it's, it, I think it's emblematic of some other quarterbacks that we've seen and how offenses can kind of – revert back to we have this amazing quarterback we're just going to expect him to do everything right both of our teams have had quarterbacks like that obviously you know with Lamar Jackson oh he's incredible he's just going to be the offense we don't need it we don't need additional things to help our offense be successful and take us to the next level right Cam Newton never had a number one wide receiver well he did for one year his rookie year and that was one of his best passing years when he had Steve Smith but also that was an aging Steve Smith right if you don't do enough to evolve the offense to provide depth and variety into the types of offenses you run, you're you're going to be back in the same situation. I follow this NFL um, analyst. His name is Nate Tice on Twitter. He's an amazing follow. Um, he gives you a lot of quarterback-specific breakdowns and understanding it. And you know, one of the things he tweeted out this weekend is an understanding of the Buffalo Bills offense runs so flat is because they become so reliant on we're just going to have Josh Allen do everything, right? They only scored, what, 10 points in this game? And even in those 10 points, even in those 10 points, how did they score the football? Josh Allen, quarterback sneak, right? When the the game got tough, you you reverted back to, all right, let's just, Josh, go do something. Go figure it out. And you can't be like that. The first three, uh, what was it like? The first three plays of the second half were QB runs. I, I don't know. I think they went three and out, but like it was just like, all right, man, we're down at half. Like, yes, put on your cape and and go do what you do. Like, go save us from this. But you you're playing against these better teams. You can't do it. Yeah, you could do it on a normal Sunday. You know, during the regular season, you can get you can get away with that. But there's, I tr- I don't think the NFL is built anymore for you for one person to just kind of be able to take it over in the playoffs. Like it takes a really special player to just be able to put the team on their back, which is hard because, you know, we were just praising Mahomes for that. But like, even now we also said he doesn't have to do that because he knows that's not how he's going to win. Yeah. But even, even looking at that, the chief side of that game, right. Not to, 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 to make a quick allusion back to them, right? Travis Kelsey, 14 catches, 100, almost 100 yards and two touchdowns. Isaiah Pacheco, you know, 14 carries, almost 100 yards. Like, the, the, there's a balance to it, right? It's not, hey, I need you just to fling this ball 50 yards down the field. 
I need you to run our offense to keep the ball moving, to keep the clock running, so that way we are taking advantage and have the upper hand. And you know who did that really well? Cincinnati. Yep. Right? You look at that team, even with losing three offensive linemen, they're down there starting guard, tackle, and center. They dominated that Buffalo defensive line. The absence of Von Miller completely changed that defense. Right? They were able to keep that defense, that defensive line in check the entire game. Right? Joe Burrow had time. He was hitting dinks, dunks. The, like he was hitting Jamar Chase. He was hitting Jamar Chase. But they had the compliment of, hey, we're going to get Joe Mixon involved in the screen game. We're going to get involved in the run game. We're going to have Samaji Piran coming in and having a balanced rushing attack. You have to have the diversity of your offense to make to make good runs into 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 the playoffs. And speaking of that, it's kind of where I want to make our transition into the NFC. We talk about the amazing depth of run. We have to talk about the Eagles because that was a dominant performance. You know, I'll, I'll let you take this one over because uh, I didn't watch any of the games on Saturday as I was running errands. But I will say, as soon as I saw the score, I think it's funny. I think both days, Saturday and Sunday, you had led a, a text, uh, started with a text in the group like, well, this isn't what I expected or, well, this is a complete beat down. And both times it was, you know, Cincinnati going up 14. And then I think Philly was up. 17-0 or 21-0 at the time. And I was just like, oh, yeah, that's that's pretty much par for the course. So what were your thoughts from actually watching that game? It's wild to me that we have a score line of 38 to – like of 38 to 7, the Eagles winning that game, and A.J. Brown was a non-factor in the game. Like that is wild to me, right? <laughs> Looking at the yards per rush – the Eagles ran the ball 44 times, and they averaged six yards a carry. How insane is that? Like, when you think about having a completely dominant offensive front, we've talked about this all year, and I've been on the Eagles since day one. That offensive line is nasty. Lane Johnson is back. He's looking, you know, not 100%. Hell, hell, like 75% of Lane Johnson is better than most tackles in the league. It's just insane to see how dominant they could be. They utilized so many different fronts and, 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 and play packages and things like that to really utilize like everything that they have in that game, right? Dallas Gardner looking great. Devontae Smith had 60, had, you know, 60 plus yards. The wild thing to me is if you would have told me, hey, this is the game to go to the NFC Championship game, you're the Philadelphia Eagles, your leading rusher is going to be Kenneth Gainwell. I looked at you like you were crazy. It's just complete and utter domination from that side of the ball. And it was just so, it was so fun to watch an offense just be that like completely dominant and, and, and run heavy with it too. Yeah, and you know, Mike and I talked about this last week about how it's hard enough beating a team twice in one year. It's even harder to beat them three times. And the fact that this was the score when you play like against a conference rival, that was the score, 38-7, to seven, and it was 28-0 at halftime. Like, enough said. The Giants need to figure something out. That was a terrible performance. Like <clears throat> Philly looked good from the highlights that I saw. They looked good. And I think yes, now that they're, you know, Lane Johnson's back, their players are back. Um Hertz seems to be, you know, back in shape. Even if he's at 90%, I don't know if if, if they play like that against the Niners as good as the Niners are and as much as I've liked them all year that won't Eagles look hard to beat right now and uh it look, kind of seems tough to kind of go against them um so I'm interested to hear our picks because that game to me probably might be the game of the year for me between it, that that's 
Yeah, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a good one, and, and and I'm very excited to see how it works out because the thing we also didn't talk about that Eagles defense is <laughs> something special. They got cats flying everywhere. They the 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 depth up front, the great linebacking play, the fact that they have CJ uh, Garner Johnson when they took him from New Orleans for nothing in a trade is bonkers to me. Him being able to play to fill in in your slot, playing safety, playing outside corner, it's just it's insane. I still am infuriated that the Panthers let Hassan Reddick walk, and now he is just destroying defenses in Philly. It it's it's just it's so it's so fun it's so fun to watch this team play football, and I'm not even I'm not an Eagles fan. It's just I enjoy good football when I see it. And that's yeah. what I see every time they like they were the number one team, the number one overall team all year for a reason. They're just completely it's just completely dominant. Yeah, I'm I really hope I just really hope that the game on uh do they play Saturday or Sunday? I think they're on both Sunday, right? Both are on Sunday. Okay. I, I just I truly hope that this game just lives up to the hype that everyone else wants and that I'm putting in my head for it because I think it will, will be really good. Um, I do think that the X factor going into that game will be, we'll, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> mm, okay. Okay. All right. Well, let's turn our attention to the last game of the divisional round. Shall we? Let's do it. So I want to get your initial thoughts on, you know what? Let's, <laughs> Let's have some fun. Let's work backwards, shall we? Let's do that. Let's work. Let's work backwards. Uh, there are there's about forty seven seconds left in the game. Cowboys. Cowboys get the ball after a really dumb play from Elijah Mitchell. Um, they have the ball. They needed a first down to ice it. Get the first down. You go out. Of, you go down. Game's over. He beats everyone to the edge and then runs out of bounds after getting the first down. It's just, just one of those plays that your coaches are telling you in the huddle, everyone needs to be aware about, but you just, you, you just, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if he just wanted that touchdown or, or what, but I'm like, come on, man, you, you, you gotta know better. So that sets up the, you know, a legacy drive, you know, one of the most important drives of Dak Prescott's career. Reason why this man is getting $164 million guaranteed, right? $45 million a year. So, no timeouts left. And it's just a string of just bumbling plays. First starts off, almost a safety. Dak gets hit in the end zone, rolling out. Somehow, which to his credit, survived the hit. Spins, incomplete pass. Next play. Five yard out to Dalton Schultz. Gets out of, instead of getting out of bounds moving forward, he decides to get hit and then runs out of bounds going backwards. Now in the NFL, if you run outside, run out of bounds moving backwards, that is a, that is a signal that your forward progression was stopped in the field of play, and thus you're treated as if you went down in bounds. So, Instead of trying to fight for extra yards and get out of bounds moving forward, he goes backwards, so the clock still runs, and you lose time. You lose time. Time's ticking away, ticking away. Next thing you know, next play. All right, we're running out of time. We've got to throw another out. Dalton Schultz doesn't catch the football, does, just forgets to put his second foot down for whatever reason. It wasn't like it was a difficult catch. That leads us to now we have fourth down. Got one play left to win your season. And I, Greg, I want you to give our listeners a, a little bit of a visual breakdown of, of this play. So I'm, I'm sitting there watching it on my phone because I just picked up, I just dropped off my in-laws from the airport and I pull over and I, I'm watching it on my phone and I'm like, oh, this is an interesting formation. Zeke at center, uh, lineman out on both sides. You know what I mean? So I'm like, okay, like, Granted, we've talked about this before. I don't think it's going to work. You know what I mean? I'm just like, whatever. Not not really going to work, but I think it's a very interesting take. 
all of a sudden they hike the ball. And next thing I know, I'm like, wait, what just happened? It's like I blinked and the game was over. And I don't know if it my if my phone just refreshed, but it was like it was a Kirk Cousins type of play. Now, I'm not like I said, I don't think that they were Shots gonna win fired. Off. Yeah. I don't think they were they were gonna win off that type of play, but to just only throw it short of the first down before anything could there were no laterals. There were no even like false sense of hope for for your team to actually do something. So I obviously to me it's a, it's a lot bigger than the last play of the game. But it it just kind of put the final nail in the coffin of that game of it kind of being like Dak's last throw was that that throw um, because in my opinion and a lot of other people's opinion he lost them that game yesterday. The Cowboys didn't lose. I think Dak Prescott lost with his two picks. Both of them cost them points. Like think about those picks. The the first one he threw, the defense settled, got them a field goal. So that's three points. The second one he threw was in, in their red zone. Like the Cowboys were in the red zone. So he cost them three points at a minimum maybe with with the problems the kicker has had I don't want to say anything is guaranteed <laughs> but he cost him at at minimum 3 points to 7 points so that that is 6 to 10 points he had left on the board or like he cost the the Cowboys does that all that make sense like those aren't just like fictitious like oh it could have been those were, those were legit scoring opportunities if you're that close to the NFL I'm I'm going to assume you're going to make a field goal at a minimum so to me, I'm like, he is the reason, minus the problems that they've had. But you know what I mean? Like, even if they just had incompletes, it's what, like a 30-yard field goal? I expect you to make that. So Dak, to me, was he was the difference in the game. And the fact that the his t- own teammates came out and like were calling him out, uh, some of the media, all, all this stuff. Like, this is the first time I feel like I've ever heard Dak get that smoke, like, He's kind of eluded it his entire career, and I think this one is completely justified. Yeah, this is a real story of the chickens coming home to roost, right? What has just been a kind of, like, obviously we make fun of like the Cowboys because they're the Cowboys, right? Um, jean shorts and all. But I think that the situation has become is that there is a disconnect happening somewhere. There's something going on with that team. I don't know if it's the decision to hire Mike McCarthy, your decision to have Kellen Moore be your offensive coordinator. I'm, there's just something wrong with that offense on so many different levels. And you saw how much that game changed. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna push back on this all being Dak's fault. He deserves a large portion of the blame. But I think that the game plan really changed when they lost Tony Pollard. You lose that explosive back. You lose that second option that you know can take a screen pass and turn it into a home run, like at the snap of at the snap of your fingers. And I think that plays a huge, a huge process, and it throws a lot of it throws a lot of doubt into the future of the Dallas Cowboys, right? Dak had, and you can see Dak on those interceptions. He's he's trying to force the ball. He's trying to force the ball. You know, trying to force it to C.D. Lamb. That's how Fred Warner picks off that ball. Trying to force it to Michael Gallup. I think that there's something missing in this offense that's causing Dak to to force it too much. And it's really causing issues with how that team plays the game. Right? And I think that's what's going to ultimately be the downfall and lead to something getting blown up here. Because you have a, a running back in Zeke who's still under contract for a lot of money. You have Tony Pollard, who's going to be a free agent this offseason and is coming off of a fractured tibia. You have CeeDee Lamb as your as your number one wide receiver. We've seen that Michael Gallup isn't a number two. So what's the plan? What's what's the solution moving forward? I, I get what you're saying, and, and but I'm also going to throw this out there too. With that type of money you're giving him, though, he is the guy. And he didn't play that way. Mahomes has a high ankle sprain. We glorify him for coming back, you know. Uh, you touched on it earlier. Burrow lost three starting offensive linemen, which 
is way more, you know, hurtful and demoralizing to a team than I'm sorry, like Tony Pollard going down. And it was for like the second half, like three offensive linemen and, and Burrow just overcame that. Like you, you're seeing these quarterbacks like do what they're supposed to do. So that's why I'm kind of just like, yeah, I can put it on maybe the game plan and some of the calling and stuff. But I'm like, at the same time, I'm like, my guy, I'm, I'm paying you all this money. You wanted this money and I'm giving it to you. And that's, that's not, and you me didn't give me to, anything. And that's not you, me trying to, to absolve him of any blame. Cause the blame yeah. like squarely fits on his shoulders as well. It's just, <laughs> I feel like there's, there's a culmination of so many things like not fitting in Dallas. That's causing this, this disruption of, of play, the disruption of success. I mean, you think about it, like, I was reading this stat since 1996, which is the year that the Panthers came into the NFL. So it's the biggest NFC expansion um, as as a as as a conference, right? It was 1996. They have not made an NFC championship game since 1996, right? There's teams that started in 1996, like the Panthers, who've been to four. They have been to zero. There is. There's some sort of long, like long-running dysfunction within that organization that the things are not clicking, right? Obviously, like, did you need to like make a push to go out and sign Odell and bring in, you know, bring in another another X factor for your offense? You know, what are you going to do to put some some help in that linebacking core? Like Leighton Vander Esch has been okay and has improved a little bit, but that's been a big failing, right? Who are you putting opposite of Trayvon Diggs to? create more and to create more depth at your corner position. Your safeties haven't looked good. Like there's so many different things that have gone wrong in addition to Dak playing poorly. So I think there's just, there, there's something in the water out there in Dallas. It's just not adding up and it hasn't been adding up for oh, almost 30 years now. Yeah, no, I agree. B- big changes need to happen. I don't know. I feel like I've said this with, with three teams so far that are in the playoffs. And it's like, you would think, Oh, you made it to the playoffs. Like you don't, and you made it to the division round. There's not that many changes that need to be made, but I'm like, they got lucky having to play the, the bucks in the first round. You know, I think that was a, where was that team? Where was the execution that we saw a week before that can't translate over? Like the defense was there. The defense did their job for the most part. Yeah, but right. now looking back at it, can you say – I feel like both things can be true, and I'm not going to say it's just one or the other, but, like, yes, where was that offense that was in Tampa Bay? The but five then touchdowns. Also, yeah, but then also I'm like, was it because they were playing uh, a lesser opponent and, like, the Bucks weren't that – really weren't that great this year? It's so like both things can be true, but even if you brought over a little bit of that offense from – That wins before, you the game. Like, Yes. If you bring like over that. if you bring over half of that offense that was there last week, you win this game. Literally half. 17 would have won you that game. So, right? Yeah. No. No, what was his final score? 17-9? No, it was a uh, 19 to 19 to 12. Oh, it was. Okay. I don't know why I thought it was maybe it, whatever. I stand corrected. But still, like we're still in a situation like if you bring over like, to only have one touchdown, if you bring over half of that, three touchdowns, you win a game. That's what it is. Yeah. And that's that's the reality of, of the situation in Dallas. It's it's not looking good. But we've been talking about them for too long. We need to talk about the Niners. And I was, like, full Wolverine X-Man meme watching my boys, you know, Derry Sanders, as we call him. Um, I, I absolutely was just – I was happy for him. I was like, look at him. What's not to be happy about, you know? It's it's great seeing them there. Um, man, the, the Niners just look so damn good. Uh, I'm. It was a real white fang situation where I was like, "Go on, kid, you deserve better. Get out of here. Get out of here. Go on, be happy. Go, on, Go home." Um, and look at him now. I know, <laughs> but I think exactly what I've said the last couple weeks rang true in this game. Purdy is not going to do anything to lose you the game. Will he do enough to make you win it? 
maybe. I mean, he he had the one play with with uh, Kittle, the thirty five yard pass. But to me, that, that was, was a, more that was Kittle. a Kittle. That was a Kittle yeah. play. You know, what I mean? but like he still found him. He made the throw, but like Kittle saved it. He's he's what is going to get the praise. So I don't know. It's been a really fun run, and I've I've chose San Francisco to win the Super Bowl. My pick is still alive. I would love if that happened. I I just don't know how much more this could happen. Like all the stars aligning perfectly for Purdy. Like you're asking Shanahan to 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 call a perfect game for like eight straight games. I don't know if it's something he can do. His track record tells me no. Um, but I'm I'm excited. I, that defense is all over the place. Both those defenses and Philly's defenses have really separated themselves this postseason on on what it takes to I don't want to say what it takes to win a Super Bowl, but you know, they say you know the the old cliche defense wins championships. And I, I really do feel like the the two best defenses remaining in the postseason are in the NFC. And it will give whatever AFC team fits. Like, is I'm sorry if 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 Cincinnati makes it to the Super Bowl without their help without their healthy line, if they're going against San Francisco or Philly's line, it could be a repeat of last year with Joe Burrow. You know what I mean? So I, I'm not trying to get ahead of myself, but that is how good these defenses have played. And Warner and Greenlaw are all over the place. Like I felt like Bosa wasn't even called a lot that game, but like. Armstead was making plays. Kinlaw was making like they, they, both teams, the Eagles and Niners, have such depth on the D line that, I mean, what what are you going to do with that? Just constant beating all game. So I don't know. I I love what I'm seeing from the Niners. I just don't know how much more they can have. And if you're telling me when they're playing against each other next week, Eagles look better. They look healthier. They stronger at quarterback. So it you know, anyways. It, like you said, it's it's got the recipe for an all time matchup, and I, it's yeah. going to be it's going to be a genuinely really fun game to watch. I'm very excited about it, and I think that we're going to see for the first time in a long time two of the more complete teams that we've seen in the last couple of years go at it. And what's so funny to think about the whole situation is like the 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 Niners right now remind me of the 2017 Eagles right you've got a defense that's just crazy good lights out like you know they have just absolute studs all along the defensive line you know you had a quarterback that was playing pretty well getting you in the games doing all right um quarterback situation is a little bit different but you get into the playoffs and you're you're, you're starting a backup and you take that backup is going to take you on the way and they have the makings to recreate with Brock Purdy what the Eagles did with Nick Foles. Yep. So it's going to be fun to watch. I still have, you know, we'll talk about that in a second. We'll, we'll get that in a second. We'll get that in a second. Go ahead. It, it's hard not. It's it's hard not to jump ahead on that though because, but I don't know. So I, I I was listening. I've listened and I've watched people all day kind of break down the games, but I'm more interested in hearing them talk about next week. And I think this is. I know it. I know it's was said last week. This is going to be Purdy's toughest matchup against the Cowboys. He hasn't met a defense like this yet, and like he did enough to you know help them win the game. He didn't do anything that would cost them. He's going to have to play even better than what he played, you know, against the Cowboys, against the Eagles. And I'm like, as a rookie, seventh start, eighth start, whatever. I'm like, you're asking a lot. I'm not trying to say it can't be done, but like I said. Now you're not only asking him to play even better, you're now forcing your head coach to call and dial up the perfect game. And I think that is very hard to do. So, No, I, I 100% agree, right? So it's going gonna, it's gonna to call, like even when we're looking at how they got here in the first place, right? That was a, there was a close matchup at halftime in, against Seattle. But – the defense caused turnovers, which allowed the offense to capitalize. So it's going; they're going to need to find a way to turn the ball over against Philly. Otherwise, they, they don't stand a chance. I don't think so. And correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think Philly turns the ball over that well. No. So, like, I think it will be I, – I, 
I think the X factor in this game might be like just turnovers. I know it sounds dumb, but what defense can create the turnovers? Like you saw it against Cow- the Cowboys. It was a special teams turnover that kind of flipped the momentum in the field, you know, although they weren't truly able to capitalize on it. Um, but yeah, if neither team is going to going to turn the ball over, who's going to make that one mistake or who, I guess, or not mistake, who's going to make that one big play? And if you're asking me, it's going to be Philly with those wide receivers. So I don't know. Yeah, that's the tough part, right? Who's going to make the difference? Who's going to step up and make that that one big play that's going to change the outcome of of the game? And I I just I don't I don't know. I don't know because we haven't seen Jalen Hurts in this position just as well as we haven't seen Brock Purdy in this position. Um but let's let's switch real quick cuz we didn't really get into previewing Chiefs at Bengals. And that's a, it's an interesting matchup. Last three games that they've played have all gone to the Bengals. So how do you view this team that's going to have a situation where you have a hobbled Mahomes versus a deteriorated Bengals D- O-line? If, if the Chiefs were – no, let me rephrase that. If Mahomes was healthy, I would just say the Chiefs win this. But because he's not, I think it's going to be so much closer. And I think the Chiefs' D-line plays that much more of a role in this game. And I think it's different versus this game than the Chief, or than the Bengals had against Buffalo. One, the weather conditions were bad, so it favors the offense because you know where you're going. The edge rushers in the snow don't play – such a huge factor because just the conditions, you know what I mean? So like, I think that favored Cincinnati plus their game plan. I'm not going to say it was all the elements and the weather, their game plan was just better. But I think with the pressure with the chiefs have their strong point on their defense is that interior line. And, and Chris Jones is one of the top three defensive tackles in the league up there with Aaron Donald's and Simmons and, you know, um, Williams, Fletcher, Fletcher the, Cox, and Fletcher Eagles. Park, you know what I mean? So, like, that is their strength, and he can get at you. And and I understand Burrow gets the ball out. I think it. I think CBS said uh, second fastest in the league. Okay, yeah. So it's really going to have to put that in more effect. You you saw him step up so much in that game against the Bills. I don't think he'll have that opportunity this week. It will have to be more, you know, sliding to the left and right. So I think the D line for the Chiefs is what is going to, if they're to win the game, that is where they're going to have to win it is on that defensive line. Absolutely. You have to bring pressure with four. And it's like, it's so funny because that was the, that was always the rule book on how you beat Tom Brady. You have to bring pressure with four and you have to bring internal pressure. That's the key thing. You have to make, you're going to have to make Joe Burrow be mobile. But the thing is, Joe Burrow's got, you know, Joe Shiesty on the outside. He got a couple little, little, little juke jukes, little in and outs, right? So it's, it's unfortunate that we're not getting both quarterbacks at their best. But you're absolutely right. The thing that I'm very intrigued to see is, is Legereus Sneed going to come back healthy? He went out last game, had a little bit of an injury. I don't know what the, the, the most current prognosis is. But is he going to be able to come back and, and kind of step up and step out? Or... Is it going to be another situation where we find ourselves, the Bengals are just picking apart a secondary that was right now on the outside relying on, on, a, on two really young players? So we'll see what happens. Yeah, because, I mean, Cincinnati's strength is definitely that wide receiver. I mean, you'll never fully take Chase out of the game. And then it's like you have Higgins, and Hayden Hurst has now stepped up as such a reliable target what a so like what a signing yeah what a signing that one was i mean i'm bummed he was never like this with the ravens but then again we never utilized him like that and atlanta never utilized him like that and now he's in a place where he can show you why he was a first round draft pick so um i'm excited for him i think the Bengals offense is uh, is so powerful and i hate i hate that they're in our division I hate that they're in this 
conference championship for now because they're just at 60 minutes away from going to another Super Bowl. But they have a real good damn shot of winning this game. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's going to be a toss-up. It's going to be a really close game. It's going to, I think it's going to be a three-point game. Yeah. It, it, I hate saying this, but it not only is it going to come down to the, you know, the D-line, but I think a lot of it will just be how, how healthy is Mahomes. Like, he's obviously not going to be 100%, but like just how bad is that high ankle sprain? We've, we've done enough talking. We've done the trials and tribulations. It's time to put our money where our mouth is. Young Gregory. Uh, that's old man Gregory sitting on an undefeated record last weekend. Uh, but no big deal. <clears throat> whoa, 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 whoa. Don't act like I'm some slouch. I went three and one. Easy. Yeah, but you didn't go undefeated, so. Okay. <laughs> okay. Dude, it's funny. The main reason why I chose Cincinnati last week was because I needed to make up a game, and I thought that was my best chance. Because we're going in tied. We're going in tied, you and I, right? Uh, I don't know. I think you still have me by one this week. So I'm holding on to my. I'm holding on here, and we'll start with the. We'll start with the NFC. We have um, Mike was gracious enough to send in his picks before this game, um, and he is going with the Philadelphia Eagles over the San Francisco 49ers in the NFC Championship game. So, Greg, who you got? I am going with. Very hesitantly, I'm going with the pick I've had the whole time. I'm sticking with the 49ers. Ooh, okay, all right. So we got you down for the 49ers. Um, give me a score. Give me a score prediction here. Oof. Yeah. This this has all the makings to be a. Initially, I want to say 21-17. But, like, I feel like there could be a late touchdown that puts it to, like, a 28-17, but it's really not that big of a spread. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, the score isn't indicative of how the game was played. Okay, okay. I'm kind of there with you. So, for my NFC Championship game, I have a final score of 28-24. to 24. Philadelphia Eagles fly to the Super Bowl. Now, let's look to the AFC, right? Our la- one of our last pickums that we'll have for the season. We have in Arrowhead. Can the can the magician Mahomes pull it off on one leg or is Joe Shiesty about to steal another trip to the Super Bowl? According to our good friend Mike, he's got the Chiefs thundering forward to another Super Bowl run. Greg, who you got? I'm going with the Bengals. Oh, look at you. I'm going away from my Super Bowl pick. I had Niners, wow. Chiefs, but I'm, I'm going with the Bengals only because I know their quarterback is healthy. I, I'm not confident in it at all in the slightest, but also part of me thinks that I need to make up a point. I'd rather win this pick against JP <laughs> than, than be right about my Super Bowl pick, so... I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you. Uh, so I am going to, you know, let's get spicy here. Let's have some fun with it, right? This is going to decide to pick them. I'm going to go with the Kansas City Chiefs. It's going to be 35-31 Kansas City. And you know what? Actually, no, I it's going to be 30, it's 34-31. There you go. I, I personally hope I'm wrong. I want the Chiefs to win, but – to, to make up for this, I'm either going 0 for 2, or I'm either beating you this week with these pickums, or it's just been a disastrous episode for we're, me. You know, we're putting it all on the line. Winner takes all here, my friend. Exactly. All in. I'm, chips to the center of the table. Let's go. Exactly. <sighs> well, JP, this has been real. It's been a fun episode. It, it, it has. We missed Mike. We always miss Mike when he's not here with us. Um, just like we miss anyone when we're not here. But... Yeah, we had a couple less Ravens takes today, but and you know we didn't have someone to 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 really get on about the Giants and their performance. <laughs> but to Mike's credit, he mm-hmm. he called them being a success 
before anyone that I had heard in any sort of media outlet or anything at all. So kudos to, you know, shout out to Big Mike because he, he held it down with that pick and he was absolutely right every step of the way until to he met fair, the Eagles. To be fair. To be fair. He did say that they would finish second place in the East, which they didn't. Which they you, I think you and I picked him for third, which they were third. Uh, so we were right about that. Oh, okay. Easy so, now. Nope. You got to keep him honest. No, I'm going to keep him honest. I'm going to give that man his flowers because he deserved it. Yeah, uh, he was he he picked Every, him right against the Vikings, but that's about as far as it goes. Mike, this one's for you, my friend. <laughs> and as always, we hope that the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers continue to fall deeper and deeper into shambles. Shout out to you, With Cam. Them, yeah, they melt like those ugly creamsicle uniforms. It's absolutely atrocious. I don't even think Cam likes him. I think he's just doing that to be a contrarian. Yeah. That's the that's the benefit of having you know actual rivals on the podcast, in the podcast sphere, right? So, with that, folks, we want to say thank you for tuning in for another episode of the Not Another Football Podcast. We love bringing this podcast to you. It's a great way for us to stay in touch, but it's an even better way to reach out to y'all and get to know y'all a little bit more. So, if you find our podcast wherever you get them, like, subscribe, rate, review, unsubscribe, resubscribe, re-like, send it to your mama, send it to your grandmama. It's a clean podcast, so anyone can listen to it. And we, we really do love the text that we get Thursday throughout the day when people are listening in and tuning in. So continue to reach out to us. Engage with the show. We'd love to bring those topics up to, to the podcast. Um, with that being said, folks, thank you so much. Greg, appreciate it. And we'll catch you next week on, an ep- on the next episode of Not Another Football Podcast. I love you all. See you next week. Thank you.